What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, Paris Johnson offensive tackle is the number six pick. A, a, a great one. I had him as third on my Ravens board. If he was still available, he would have been a guy who would have taken ahead of all other needs, even just because he's he's too damn good, frankly, in terms of, uh, of what he brings. Great long arms. Uh, you know I'm going to say that, right, about an offensive tackle. And, uh, and good feet as well. Uh, and... He gets away from all questions of can he play left tackle or not, which I think is the, the the question the Ravens will have to answer in the rest of this draft in terms of getting a developmental guy. It needs to be a guy who they're sure can play left tackle, not somebody who maybe he's a swing tackle. Maybe he's a guard tackle. I don't want versatility. I want a left tackle. Yeah, Paris Johnson Jr., number one tackle on my board. Uh, just very good feet to go along with those long arms, and I think he still has the upside Great pick. All left tackle is always a great pick. In true first round grades, really hard to come by. Only had eight on my board this year. Um, you know, it just goes to show you that you, you can't fade a player like that too far down the draft board, no matter what your need is. And uh, and yes, you know, I think the tackle conversation is an interesting one because you know if we did not draft a developmental left tackle this year and went for a right tackle of the future. That would actually be my personal preferences over Ken. Um, you know, developmental guy, it takes two or three years. Well, yeah, they, they kind of come out a lot. Maybe we can get one as a UDFA. Um, but Morgan Moses may be coming up on his last year or so as your right tackle. Falele, big question mark. He was always a project to begin with. Um, 
does he move to guard like Harbar suggested? So, yeah, tackle position, I would – man, I, if we added one, that would be a solid move for the Ravens at some point in this draft. Let me let me just address the one component of that. Are you okay getting a right tackle because they're going to lose Moses in another year or might lose Moses in another year, or do you require, as I do, that it's got to be a guy who can play left tackle? Number one, I mean, I think they're two different players. I think they could be the same players, but you could be talking about two different players there. But um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get like left tackles, yeah, I know you brought up the Steelers tackle. That's that's a that's a long shot. You got to bring those guys in and give them a chance. Um, but a right tackle that you draft, you can you could have take one in the second third round, and he could probably be a plus starter for you. So um, I look at them as two different categories, Ken. If that if that helps. If you're if you're waiting until round five, let's say, and the guy you're getting is Spencer Brown, actually went higher than that, but you know, the, yeah, he was was it that high? I thought it was like seven. Second round, yeah, second round right tackle, second round right tackle. That's the kind of player I'm talking about. But like uh, later in the draft, you break Blake Freelands, your Wanya uh, Morris's, those kind of guys. They should be available, or one of them at least will be available down five, six, something like that. So, um, you know, two different positions to address as, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. The guy I'm talking about, Spencer Brown, went at number 93 to the Bills in 21. So third. Okay. He's the Northern Iowa guy who, who you know, you're taking a chance, but you know you're going to you, – you have a chance to get a, a, a left tackle out of the job. I'm going to look up the Steelers guy. I mean, I think it's Mason. He's a right tackle, by the way, for the Bills. Spencer Brown is now. Yes. <clears throat> So yeah, right. day two pick on a right tackle or a thir- day three pick on a left tackle. I think they're, you know, maybe you find a guy that can be both, but I think they're two different positions. You want, if you want to like replace Morgan Moses long term, you're going to have to spend an early pick for that. Okay. Dan Moore is the guy I'm thinking of who's a fourth round pick for the Steelers, who was a guy who, you know, they're trying to make him play at left tackle. And I, I just, the, the Ravens, that's the problem that keeps coming up is they don't have anybody to play left tackle. It's not that they they can't find guys to stick in there at right tackle and get by. Uh, you know, a lot of their concepts will work with that, but they've got to have blindside protection. Uh, our buddy, Mr. Katz, brought up one pick before us, Spencer Brown. Yeah. Uh, one pick before us. That's right. Yeah, I completely agree with the folks who are saying this is a steal for Detroit. It is. Yeah. You know, looking at the, at the different charts, it looks like, um, it looks like Detroit basically paid, you know, 90%, 70%, 85%, uh, depending on the charts and gaining something around, you know, an early to mid third round pick, you know, basically of value. So a uh, pretty solid. And completely right afterwards that the, you know i thought they were going to go with someone you know that was a top three pick and they uh they i think they reached a little bit for that tackle but uh to to, to spend all that to then jump to that so um interesting move man i just uh go ahead no please oh i was i was saying this from from a cargo standpoint like i understand you your need a left tackle but you have so many other holes in that roster that like why are you giving up you know, you know, draft capital on, on, on day two that you just that you just got to, to move up. You know, like, and they're going to be they, to me. There were going to be tackles available at twelve. So I, I just feel like you could have you could have waited there and got got your tackle instead of trading up. And I said for a team with so many holes, like the more premium picks, picks the better. So I just I don't really love it from a Cardinal standpoint as far as what they gave up to uh, to to get him. 
Detroit is standing right now with the 12th, the 18th, the 34th, the 48th, and the 55th pick. Holy guacamole. Five picks in the first two rounds, or five in the first 55, in fact. That's a lot better than that. Yeah, if only it was a good draft, though. You know, if only it was a good draft. Oh, last year's draft, man. I'll be doing backlinks. Okay, but so yes, uh, Chris, I put the. I'm oh, sorry, Ken. I was going to say I put the the. Uh, I pasted the the uh, big board. So, so the link is there. We'll probably bring that up during the show occasionally, Josh Soroka, and we'll, we'll when we have a chance and we'll look at it. And this might be an interesting time because it might be too late. But who who's the athletic freak that the Raiders could take that we wouldn't mind them getting because they, <laughs> they seem to make some mistakes in the first round? How about Will Levis? How about Will Levis? That'd be great. All four. Jeff George. Jeff George. Like yeah. Okay, pick us in. You see those back muscles? <laughs> That's a raider. That's a raider. I'm, I'm more disgusted by the eating, the eating the banana without peeling it thing. And the mayonnaise and the coffee. Yeah, the coffee? Hurt yeah. That hurt me. He's an odd duck. <laughs> I tell you what, this is always fun watching the draft with you guys. I tell you that. So more disgusting people eating the banana with the peel on or mayo <laughs> and the coffee. Check in below. Let us know, fellas. What's what's more disgusting? Which is worse, eating a banana with the peel on or eating an orange with the peel on? Which would you rather do? I don't know. I never tasted either. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've eaten orange peel before if you've had marmalade, but. Yeah. Uh, but the, but banana peel, you know, our dogs love it. But Maureen chops up the banana peel for the dogs. They seem to love it. So, okay. Pro tip, from, pro tip from Mr. McCusick there. Dog care, or call Peter on them. Whatever. If it's <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm excited about this pick. He's timidly walking to the podium. I wonder what he's waiting for. All right. Well, Tyree Wilson goes off a lot of people's favorite edge after Will Anderson and some people's favorite edge before Will Anderson. Where were you on it, Jason? Yeah. Uh, you know, I have Will Anderson ahead of him, but, you know, I, I made the argument with you, Ken, that I, I would say if I had to cho choose – I think Wilson has the higher upside. He, he's just a bully. The long arm speed to power is money in the bank. Anything he can build off of that is just going to play so well because his speed to power long arm is so good. Uh, just a more athletic overall player than Will Anderson. Will Anderson's got it all up here. But uh, you talk about athletic freak and Raiders, they found one at the edge. Uh, you know, Max Crosby, though, on that team, uh, I don't know if Josh has the depth chart, though, but. Uh, how does that complement with what they have? They still have Chandler Jones too, so they're, they're gonna they're, they're three deep at edge right now. I was surprised they didn't go Gonzalez here, um, just given their their glaring need at corner. But it, it was too much of a value to pass up. I, I I definitely had Wilson rated higher than Gonzalez as far as you know my overall player rankings. But um, yeah, good 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 for Wilson. I'm I'm gonna be trying to call his call his mom here in the next couple of days. I know they're gonna celebrate tonight and and then um, probably you know fly out to to Vegas tomorrow and so I'll probably catch up with her Saturday at the at the earliest. Not the worst place to get drafted. I mean you could get drafted in Alaska, right Josh? 
<laughs> right? <laughs> it, it, it gets it gets drafty up here, man. I'll tell you that, especially the summertime. So, got an update on the on the trade that that went through with Arizona. Uh, it was actually not just six for twelve and thirty four. It was six and eighty one for twelve, thirty four, and one sixty eight. Okay, and so- you can poo poo JJ all you want. It's a hundred percent spot on. It's it, like literally exact. So it just is another uh, another point where teams use JJ chart or something very similar to it. Whether uh, analysts believe that that is appropriate to measure value is a discussion, a different discussion. But trades are still more often than not very on JJ chart. So. Yeah, it's 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 the price of need is a way to think of it. Interest rates are always positive, even when inflation is zero or, or, or they should be. I mean, that's one of the big fears is if, if you actually have deflation, what do interest rates do? Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely something you have to uh, uh, account for is, is that the, the, the JJ chart does represent that. And I, I, I keep hearing that other charts represent it better. And then I, I, I've talked to um, uh, Spielberger about his chart that that is with Fitzgerald. And one of the problems is it uses AV, but it doesn't deduct the replacement level. And that's Mm -hmm. the one I've never really seen addressed. I mean, AV has its own issues that it's, that it's not the be all end all statistic. And you could come up with other things. You could do a PFF number or, or or get whatever to, to, to evaluate value that might be, I might trust it more. But if my basic problem is you need to subtract the replacement level from the bottom of that, or you really don't have anything. Right. Yeah. And and there's so many assumptions that go into all those models and they're a little bit black boxy and, and, and everything. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a, an interesting discussion to be had, you know, depending on, on kind of how, um, you know, teams view how good they are at picking versus how good they actually are. And that leads to very different valuation of picks. So, um, but but I think that's, you know, I, I think those are two, again, different discussions, right? What the actual value is versus what the trade value is. Like if teams think they're good at picking, that's what matters, right? Right. It doesn't matter what you think their value of their pick is. So it looks like, I don't know if uh, it's probably not out yet, but I think Atlanta's pick is, is in, but just not announced yet because of commercial. So I think uh, that'll be an interesting one. There's a, uh, there's there's been the talk about Bijan Robinson there. I think that would be you know a, a stretch, but um, but would be an, an interesting pairing to watch with him with that team. So, a lot of Falcons fans on my timeline on Twitter talking about Bijan, wanting Bijan, which I personally don't understand because I loved what I saw from Tyler Algier last year. Running that scheme, he looks perfect for it. You know, you get him a compliment, a smaller, quicker back, maybe a pass catching back. One can be had. So I didn't really understand the infatuation with B. John, but uh, he was definitely uh, in. You know, on the minds of Twitter, their analysts, their reporters, all of them talk about B. John uh, for the last couple of months. Yeah, no, I like Cordell Patterson for them too. So I didn't, I didn't see that as making any sense at all. I mean, I, I just. I said, like, I said, I love, I love Bijan too, just not for them. I mean, the, the place I think the earliest thing I think Bijan can go would be to, to Philly at, at, at 10, just because, 
You know, I don't, I'm not I'm not a big advocate for running backs in the first round unless your team is kind of ready made to contend to compete for a championship. You know, just you know positional value unless the guy's like a surefire pick. And even then, 10, 10 is kind of kind of rich for a running back for me. Can you're on mute. You're on mute. Sorry, we got to keep a scoreboard of this now. We've we've had a couple of ones here uh, going there so far. But anyway, uh, uh, Alec, I wanted to get your idea on Jalen Carter like, in terms of the Ravens board. Uh, what what do you? How do you feel about that uh, in terms of the things that have happened? I mean, it's obviously horrific what's happened. Um, I think it's inevitable he'll get picked, and therefore, I think like he probably has to be somewhere on their board. I understand that there's this idea of you know, some people who totally off your board. But if you're telling me in the third round at 86, this guy's still around for some reason because everyone's playing chicken, uh, someone's gonna someone's gonna jump eventually. So um, <clears throat> I think I think you know it's completely feasible. He's on their board at some price. It's unrealistic. Yeah. And so you know, the old system was the Ravens would put a black dot on their plaque for this guy, and they draft him later, but they but they wouldn't draft him maybe as they normally had him rated. Uh, uh, but uh, Arthur Jones was a guy they picked who had a black dot for injury concerns, and they've had other you know black dot players I've seen drafted by other teams uh, that have been on the on the on the board at the castle. So I know I know it's happened, but uh, uh, it's uh, it, it, I I don't think I think if he if he was there at twenty two, I think the Ravens would seriously think about it. I, I and I would have said differently two weeks ago before the stuff was completely resolved, but it went through the quickest resolution process I've ever seen for this kind of criminal stuff. Here's the Falcon selection here. We'll introduce you in just a second, Jake. Really appreciate you joining us here. And uh, you're down in Falcon country or thereabouts? Yes, sir. I'm predicting Christian Gonzalez. Another quarter to pair with Terrell. Big announcement, huh? Yep. All right. Bijan Robinson goes to the Falcons. That's uh, an exciting pick. Uh, I think it's very exciting for me from a Ravens perspective. I think there's nothing but positive there. Uh, you know, you mentioned the possibility of a corner going off the board. We want to delay the run on corners as long as it will hold. Okay. So if that starts at number 18, great. That's a great place for it to start. If it's 2022, 20, if it starts there, it's a great place, other than the fact that I, 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 I'd be still torn about taking Gonzalez at number 22. But, uh, but anyway, it is, uh, it is what it is. Hey, Ken, uh, I, I think we have a really interesting question from Lenny Reed here. So uh, three spots up. Let's, if- let's do that in just a second because I want to introduce Jake Vogel, who's joining oh, Jake. us. And, and uh, uh, Jake, thanks so much for coming on. SEC fan, big-time Georgia fan. So he's living the high life right now, kind of like Baltimore <laughs> sports fans generally are right now, except at a, at a lower level than, than where Georgia fans are. Uh, yes, sir. Jake, what do you think about the pick so far? So far, so good. It's kind of been an interesting night, um, to say the least, with, with some of the moves, um, especially Arizona kind of moving up and around the board. Um, but, uh, it is expected because 
leading up to the draft, um, pretty much any analyst would tell you that this was an unpredictable one. Um, so I haven't been too surprised by any of the moves, even though there there has been a lot of movement. I think you're muted there, Ken. All right, two in a row. Who, who thought I could be the come from behind king on being muted here? But uh, <laughs> that's bad. Uh, anyway, uh, really appreciate having you here, Jake. And Jake, a terrific SEC fan, no doubt. Lots of insights into that as we go forward. Uh, we go up now. The number nine selection belongs to, it has not been traded yet, right? So it still belongs to the Chicago. All right, very good. Any, uh, do we have any current lines you guys are looking at in terms of that that pick being traded? My yep. TV said that it says that it already has. I'm not going to announce who it who it's been traded to. My TV says it's <laughs> okay. Yeah, please don't tip picks here, including trades. I would say, yeah. but but uh, that's okay. If it's been traded, that's fine. Tell I, yeah, I, was I gonna, appreciate. I, was gonna say I appreciate no the. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say I appreciate the comment. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm wearing a Roquan Smith jersey, of course. Uh, Ravens have had very few Georgia players um, pretty much in their history, and thankfully uh, we got Roquan now for the foreseeable future. One interesting one in the draft I want to talk to you about before this first round is over, but uh, uh, how about it um, in terms of the trade? Yeah. Oh. I was going to say, you know, uh, as far as the question right there, Ken, from Lenny. Okay. Yeah, I, I have five corners, five corners ahead of Branch. So we've seen one of them gone in Devin Witherspoon, Gonzalez on the board, Joey Porter Jr., uh, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, and also Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. All, all five of those guys, I think, are solid outside corners, which is what the Ravens need the most, a proven guy. Yeah. Marcus Peters isn't coming back. And then Branch, you know, uh, be it as great of a prospect as he is as a safety slash corner, uh, I would have the outside corners from a Ravens perspective over them. Absolutely. A lot of similar things. Branch is one of the greatest college football players you'll ever see. Incredible downhill player. 14 and a half tackles for loss. That's a number you see from an edge rusher who gets 12 and a half sacks, say. Uh, it, it's not something you ever see from a slot corner. I think he stays at slot corner in the NFL. If he were to play there, there, that would obviously move Hamilton back to safety. It wouldn't be a terrible thing, but the guy who loses playing time in that, in that case is Geno Stone, who I think is too good a player to be sitting the entire year here. I, I, I want to see him play some meaningful snaps and not meaningful snaps because of injury. Cause he really stepped in and did a great job uh, when uh, Williams was out this last year. So I, I really, I'm hoping for an outside corner as well. I think that's where the Ravens need to focus. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I, I agree. Outside, outside all day as far as um, where they need to attack. I mean, that's that's to me. Like I said, I really hope that Forbes is there at 22. At, at 22, he's 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 my guy. I know a lot of people want, want want Banks, but I just I just love the ball production by by Forbes instincts. Anticipation. I mean, it's like if you wanted to replace Marcus Peters, I don't want to say he's a carbon copy, but closest thing you're going to get this year's draft. Absolutely, closest thing you can get. I'm right there with you, Josh. I don't. If they got to 22 and Forbes is there, it does depend on who else is on the board. Still, there could be somebody else we like even more. But I really don't want to even screw around with trading down and still hoping he's there. I I, I just want to take him. Yeah, same here. I agreed. Like. Uh, you know, if any one of those five corners is selected for me personally, 
I'm happy with the pick, no matter who else is on the board at that point. Um, it, you know, would it be my top guy? No. Would I still be happy? Yes, absolutely. If it's Deontay Banks, if it's Joey Porter, if it's Emmanuel Forbes, if it's Christian Gonzalez, who probably won't be there, that's that would be a great pick for me at, at number 22, all of those guys. How many trades have there been already? Three? Is that right? So so number th- number number three got traded, and then number six got traded, and number eight got traded, right? And number, number one, mm-hmm. for what it's worth. And number yeah. one from before the draft, yeah. Right. Yeah, number number nine and number eight, number nine. Okay, so the Eagles selection is in. Is that the, is that a traded pick again? Yeah, that was the the Bears. That was oh, the, the Bears, Bears pick originally. Okay, yeah, right. Eagles, you you Eagles said moved up. Eagles moved up one spot, and I think it was for next year's fourth. So basically, nothing. Um, moved up one spot to the ninth. I gotta think they're going they're going Carter here. I just I just it seems That's such an Eagles too. move to me. They 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 leapfrogged us for 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 uh, for Davis last year, and now they're doing it to the to well, I guess not really to the Bears. I just thought the Bears wouldn't have passed up on on Carter either, but I guess we'll see. Jalen Carter goes, and there is the arguably best offensive lineman off the board. No, I don't even think arguably. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think it's arguable, but I, I'm a Georgia fan, and so I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut. No, this is the time for you to talk, I think. <laughs> yeah. If there's ever been a time, this is it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, such a phenomenal player. He stood out in 2021 just like Willie Anderson did. Um, but, you know, Carter was on the field with the other supreme talents that Georgia already had. Um, when you're considering Jordan Davis, um, Trayvon Walker, who went number one overall because of the athletic freak that he is, Nicobe Dean, Devontae Wyatt, another first-round player. It's just an embarrassment of riches um, along the defense at Georgia. And he stood out among all of those guys as, as the best talent, um, which is really impressive. And I know that it, it gets challenging when you're evaluating these guys and you're saying, you know, the team is so good around, around him. So does that mean the player is as good? Uh, so th- that's the challenging part, but I, I think most people would agree that he was, Arguably the most talented player in this draft. You could talk about B. John Robinson. It's a running back. Um, but, you know, top two, top three talented players in this entire draft. And because of the off-field issues, he fell. And the Eagles, you know, I think are going to reap the rewards for that. Yeah. Man, that's, that's crazy if you think they, they lose Hargraves and, and then they get Carter. Like, I mean, you, golly, like. This is that's it's crazy when you think about it. Like like the fact that yeah, he fell all the way down to nine. Given his off field stuff, I get it. But like the Eagles, man, they really love building through the trenches, and you can't argue with their with their uh, roster construction philosophy. Um, I, I personally love it. Yeah. So what, what, one thing I love about this, and I don't really feed off the emotion the way a lot of other people seem to have the NFL draft, but it's one of the great times. It's okay to be a grown man and cry. It's right now. This your Hall of Fame induction. Uh, nobody wants to hear about you crying over your breakup. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to hear about other things that may happen to you in life. But now it's all right to cry. Yeah, birth of a child. That that too. And um um and then uh, I I think weddings. Certain certain weddings. Like if you gave away your daughter or something like that. My dad was balling at my sister's wedding. We got we had one happen recently, unfortunately. But you lose your dog. That is the most. Oh, my tearful moment. You can imagine we have to have your dog put down. Oh, my God. Mm. 
Lamar signing, you know. Still, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I did. I did kind of like. I wouldn't break down, but like when that when that news came across my feed, like I was in the middle of, of working, and I just like kind of dropped on my knees, and I was like, "Yes!" Like my, my, my wife came in, she's like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "It's it's finally over." She's like, "Oh, Lamar side." I was like, "Yeah, how'd you know?" <laughs> Oh, yeah, like the old Jimmy V speech, man. You should cry every day. Be brought to tears by your emotions every day. Laugh every day. Think every day. Cry every day. The late, great Jimmy Valvano. Rest in peace, man. That's a good one. Ken, I think you're muted. Ken, you're muted, muted again, man. <laughs> I hope you guys can read my lips there because I'm really I'm pissed yeah, off at myself. Yeah, we, we got that one, Ken. <laughs> yeah. So Malcolm Forbes, that's what I was saying. No, I'd say it's Emmanuel Forbes. Um, I, I do have mild concerns about Forbes' size, but I'll say I think he lost weight to run a little better, to jump a little better at the combine. He was about 14 pounds lower than his listed weight. Um, you know, he is a guy I, you know, if you look at him tackle on tape, particularly his downhill tackles where he's diagnosing a play and knifing through that screen blocking. Um, he's, he's exceptional. And, and his diagnosis really plays well on those kind of little swing passes or stretch run plays such that his size does not come into play as much as it should. You watched him play in the SEC, Jake. What do you think? Um, yeah, I honestly didn't get to watch as much Forbes as I, as I hoped, but what I did see – um, was a player that, despite his size, was very physical. Um, that was impressive to me. Uh, just like you're talking about downhill tackling effort, 100% is there. Um, probably to a greater level than what we saw consistently from Marcus Peters on the Ravens. You know, it's it's college versus the NFL, and um, you would still see some feistiness from Peters, which you love to see. Um, but But I do think that he would, you know, lay it all out there on the field, and his ball skills and instincts and recovery speed are just top notch. So I definitely see him as a first round corner. I know that there were some talks about him potentially sliding to the second round. I think that's uh, that that kind of talk is going away um, as we approach the draft today. And I could definitely see him coming off the board here in a little while. Hopefully not before Baltimore. Yeah, I, I, yeah, talking about the uh, Forbes tackling thing. I mean, like with Peters, sometimes like you know he'd be a willing tackler at times, but he tackles so high. You know, he try to like wrap a guy up and throw him down. With Forbes, he really like tries to cut guys down before they get going. He tackles low. He goes for those ankles. Goes for the outside outside leg. And um, I really love his his like I said, aggressive and willing to tackle and be involved in the in the in, in run defense. You don't see that a lot from corners. All right, a lot of shoestring things or guys trying to tackle too high end up getting carried. So um, I, I love the way his, his approach to tackling and playing run defense. Does have a 16.6% missed tackle rate. So it's roughly every six tackle he misses in college ball. That's not ideal, but uh, I still think you put up with that for the incredible ball production you get. And, you know, looking at his interceptions, they were all different. He undercut mm -hmm. balls. He played deep like, like he was a safety on balls, but he's very much a keep his eyes in the backfield, cover three corner, and we have a pickup, and it's a guy that we did not expect to go this early. I don't think Darnell Wright of Tennessee goes number 10 to the Bears. That does not seem to be a particularly good two-pick sequence for the Bears there. They got just a fifth-round pick in exchange for 
to move up a spot. Hey, you guys. Yeah, I was high on Darnell Wright. If you remember our conversation, he made my sweet 16. Number 15 on my board, which is slanted to the Ravens. So if the Ravens needed to tackle, he would be high, even higher than 15 on my board. So, I, you know, at number 10 here, I don't see it as a ton of a reach. They obviously liked, liked him better than Broderick Jones. Uh, I, I surmise with Ken that I think that he could be a left tackle. The proof is in the pudding, though, at right tackle. That's where he played. That's where he dominated. That's where Will Anderson couldn't do a darn thing against him. Uh, It was a great matchup to watch. If you want to see Darnell Wright, watch Tennessee offense, YouTube, Tennessee offense versus Alabama defense. You probably find it in there. Uh, I got to see the 22 of it. It It's just a beautiful, beautiful performance. So Darnell Wright, lockdown right tackle, uh, maybe a left tackle. Maybe the Bears think he can play left. Yeah, I, I was just gonna get going off the first first clip they showed of him on TV was against Will Anderson. I mean, if, if, if you want to get sold on Donald Wright, that's the first thing you need to pop on. And um, he's a guy that like I, I know uh, Michael Lombardi, former 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 Browns uh, GM and, and Raiders exec. Uh, he was like, you know, if, if, Will, if Will Anderson's going top ten, so does Darnell Wright because you know he got pretty much stonewalled every time they went up against each other in the SEC. And any guy that can do that against a guy who's going to be a you know like we saw surefire top five pick. Is, is well worth a top 15 selection in my mind. So I don't think it's a, it's a reach by the bears. Um, they needed offensive line help in the worst way. And um, it's a great, great, great for them. I know my cousin who's a diehard Chicago bears fan is he's, he probably won't be jumping for joy because he, he's a more of a flashy kind of guy. Like he likes, you know, you know, skill, skill player picks, but um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk him off the ledge on this one and tell him this is a better pick for you guys than taking a re- say a receiver here. Plenty of receivers well, available, not plenty of, Lockdown tackles available. That's what you tell them, Josh. Yes, sir. I want to pick up on this for a second. And Jason and Alec want to get your feeling on this because it does feel like we're riding on a cloud right now with the Lamar signing day. A lot of the talk about Hopkins, which doesn't move the needle too much for me, but I know a lot of people, other people are really excited about it. But the Orioles play so far this year. And what we're seeing from that team, Alec, how about it? We've gone to some games together. Joey Ortiz. Got a hit in three RBIs tonight. I, I the game is blacked out, so I can't have it on a screen here on MLB TV and and have my TV on. Uh, but anyway, I'm missing a good game hey, apparently. I know I've been following along. You know they're behind and they were ahead. Um, I'm not sure exactly where they are right at this moment, but uh, it- no, the curse of the Netherlands. By the way, Jake, uh, your mic was blah 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 when you were talking, man. So I want to throw okay. that in. Yeah. yeah, definitely check on that. Yeah, it, it seemed like a little bit of internet lag with you when you were talking. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. There you go, Alan. Um, You're back. All right. Yeah, well, I was saying like uh, nine and one the last 10 games, uh, just tremendous uh, streak that they're on right now. And uh, it's a real pain in the butt to be in our division. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Well, at least they've got a more balanced schedule this year, so there'll be more likelihood they make the wild card. And I think they will. I think, you know, based on where they are right now, it looks like they will make the wild card, and uh, that'll at least be something. Um, I guess they, in, if you if you get a wild card now with three divisions, how does it how does it work? There's they all three play on the road against division winners. It's it's a six. No, it can't be that. It has to be a one by because you have to get that of four teams. So. Anyway, I don't even know the format of Major League Baseball playoffs anymore. That's that's where we are, you know, in uh, in human history here. That I've I've lost it. What about it, Josh? This year, there's two buys. There's two buys. So okay. one and two, 
get buys, three plays six, and five plays four. So you can be a home wild card team. If they, they, that would be the Orioles' hope, perhaps, would be to finish second to the Rays, say, yes. be home and host the Yankees for all three games. Right. The, lo- the, lowest, the lowest division the lead will, will play, but the top two division will win. Um, I haven't – because they break it all up, they still keep it as the divisions – get you the key so one and two is a division leader even if the top three teams are all from the al east no i I understand that so that that makes sense it's the one it's the third division winner plays number six and then four plays and then four and five play yeah yes ken i had a question uh somebody that has the draft order up or who's coming up next in touch with that will levis still on the board i would like to get him off of said board because I'm wondering if teams are scared of him like I'm scared of him as far as being a bust potential. Who's in line to take Will Levis? Where are they? Isn't Tennessee one of the teams that might take him? Tennessee's on the clock now. And uh, they're – yeah, so they're on the clock now. After that, then we've got Detroit, which maybe. Uh, Green Bay, no. Patriots, probably no. Jets, no. Commanders, probably no. Steelers, no. Lions again. Tampa Bay, maybe. So there, there aren't a ton of good fits. Uh, Seattle, maybe. Chargers, no. And then us. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm starting to hold my breath. Starting to hold my breath. Starting to get just a little bit nervous. Would love to just see Will Levis be picked here. And then all of a sudden, you know, because the rest of the board, there haven't been any wild card picks Everybody's been in the green section of my big board so far. So uh, nice to get Levis off of the, out of there. I would say uh, if he does happen to continue to slide, that that does present another option for the Ravens. If there's a team that wants to move up from oh, yeah. the second round back into the first round, maybe not the best scenario, but um, possibly one where the Ravens could actually recoup some nice value. Yeah, it, it's Especially right in front of Minnesota, right? Right. How about how about Hendon Hooker providing that same value? And and I I would be surprised with with the Titans on the clock right now that that they wouldn't be feeling pressure to make it be Hooker given the in-state connection. So we got the, the pick is coming up. Yes, sir. All right. Oh, now one of the best offensive linemen in the draft, Peter Skaronsky, a guy who's probably moving to guard. Jason, talk to him. Talk to us about him. I thought he was a great, 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 uh, no exaggeration, a great college left tackle. Uh, Ken mentioned he's built like a guard. He's a little bit shorter. His arms are shorter. He's stocky enough, yet he's mobile. Great pass protector. Great run blocker for a left guard, so his run blocking should, should play excuse me, great run blocker as a left tackle. So his run blocking should play really well as left guard uh, as well. Uh, Awesome player. Could have actually seen him uh, as a trade back candidate for the Ravens if they were at 25, 26, 27. He might have been the best player on my board uh, despite him being a guard. But I would say bar none, best guard in the class if you classify him as a guard. Uh, As far as the tackle, uh, I compared him to Jonas Williams, guys. Uh, I don't know if anybody wanted to – Jonah Williams, if anybody wants to follow up, you know, he could get or force his way to left tackle, bust out, not be a good player, or he could go to left guard and dominate. So I hope 
that Skaronsky is open-minded enough to make that move to guard. Uh, taking him at 11 overall, he better have a good career for the Titans here. I mean, given all their needs on the along offensive line, um, he could if they could clone him, they 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 could probably put him in all five spots. Um, but uh, I'm 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 lockstep with you as far as the the best career arc for him would definitely be at guard. I think he that's that, that's just where where I, I best project him at too. All right, exciting. Yeah, movement skills enough for you guys that he'll be the pulling guard that a team like Tennessee wants. They play some power. You know they're going to want to want to accentuate what they have at the running back position. Easy feet, Ken, and not only that, easy eyes from Skaronsky, which is you know doesn't mean that he'll be great picking up a linebacker on a pull, but it's a good indicator that he sees the field really well. Uh, it looks like the game's coming in slow motion to him. So uh, you know, hey, I I think he would be an okay tackle in this league. Maybe he's a right tackle. You give him some help with a tight end some weeks or something like that. But I think that would be a doing a disservice to him. We saw with Ben Powers, you can make a lot of money at guard too if you're one of the best ones. Uh, so if this is he turns into like a different style Quinn and Nelson, then that's worth that pick right there at number eleven. Yeah, you made the point uh, when we were talking about him the other night that that Skaronsky is a much better prospect than Powers was at coming out of school. Now Powers obviously a fourth round draft pick, so it's it's no comparison versus number what eleven overall, but. Uh, uh, yeah, Powers certainly got paid. And uh, I think a lot of the Powers detractors, I, I hope most of them have eaten their crow by now and really understand. But part of the problem belongs to PFF on that. They they have a weighting system on the interior offensive line that doesn't really make sense, that they overweight run blocking relative to pass blocking. Another pick is in, number 12 in the, for the Lions is Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. That to me is an unbelievable stretch pick. In the first round, it's the first one that's completely out of sight in terms of of uh, what you would take. So, all that extra value Detroit got, why wouldn't they've got five picks in the first fifty-five? Why wouldn't Gibbs have been available? And they have Swift. They'll just they waste have them. Swift. They could have gotten and, and they signed Montgomery. They signed Montgomery too. I don't know what. Wow. I love the Lions. I love what they're building, and I'm so upset at them right now. My love is gone. It's been retracted. Yeah. Uh, so they, the new Raiders. <laughs> I would say that Gibbs has a chance to be MVP in this league, offensive player of the year in this league. So, you know, I don't hate it from from that standpoint. Maybe Detroit says, "Look, we we need a horse." But to Alex's point, DeAndre Swift pretty much turned into their pass pass catching back last year with uh, Jamal Williams leading the way. Like they have somebody who's very adequate out the uh, out of the backfield. I would say Ken. This is an old school coach and Dan Campbell. So, you know, maybe we should have saw a wild card like this coming where he wants to run the ball again. But oh, but the running back was going to be there in 18. Yeah. Like that's the yeah. problem. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 No, one, here. no one's taking no one's taking him then. And and you got a guy, Gonzalez, you know, you've you've shown a need for cornerbacks with all your moves. Like you've got a guy that you thought you were gonna have to, you know, get early falls down to you at 12. Like, I, I just, I don't understand the move at all. We we do agree. No matter, Alec, your divided loyalties on the Lions aside, this this pick <laughs> entirely helps the Ravens. It's it's an unbelievable gift. It's the uh, Ar Damon Arnett pick for the for the Raiders all over again in terms of just, just <laughs> inert mass in a spot that shouldn't have been taken. Raiders were famous for that. Uh, uh, Cleveland Farrell, another guy. Mm -hmm. the Raiders, Mike Mayock. 
was too stubborn for his own good. You, you know, Mike Mayock, I think, is an excellent evaluator. I really do. But he didn't know when to say when as far as uh, this is what my scouts are telling me that this player would go. This is what my draft people are telling me where he would go. He would just take his player uh, ahead of time. And, you know, I don't know, you know, positional value does come into play. But the one thing I will say in Gibbs. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details favor as compared to Arnett is aside from injury, which is a big one. Gibbs will be at least productive. He won't be a liability on mm-hmm. the field like like a corner would be, uh, could be targeted. So, uh, yeah, not my favorite pick, but great for the Ravens. Great for the Ravens right there. Uh, that's, you know, if if Levis or somebody doesn't come off the board now, that we got to end one. We got to end one. Yeah. I would say with a move like that, Swift could very easily be out the door. I, I don't know the likelihood that that uh, Detroit is going to carry DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, and uh, Jameer Gibbs all in one season. It, ju- it just seems like an embarrassment of riches at one position and so many resources allocated to running back. So I think something is going to happen probably this this weekend in regards to DeAndre Swift. Swift is up. Oh. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Jake, I love that idea because Swift is in J.K. Dobbins' class, that 2020 yep. class. So they're, they're both free agents, going to be but, free agents. Yeah, he's, a, he's in his fourth year. He's cheap this year, so somebody will want him. There's trade value for the next couple of days here that they can harvest. Yeah. I also think that even if they do hold on to him, because, you know, because Jameson Williams has suspended the first six games of the season, and the, the, the value that Gibbs brings you from a fast-catching standpoint, um, I, I think – if they hold on to Swift, you know, through the first, like, you know, before the, they, he could definitely be, if they, if they still have him, he could definitely be like a, mid, like a mid-season trade candidate kind of guy for them, where if, if somebody else's running back gets hurt, and you could basically get an RB1 for the for the price of next to nothing. So what do All you right. think, what do you think Swift is worth, DeAndre Swift, unless you have more draft pertinent stuff, Ken? He's not as, I mean, JK and him, he's uh, also up. I'd say he probably goes for a third, maybe a late second. Uh, I don't know that he's actually worth that. Um, but four, you think a five. fifth or a fourth? Four, four or five. Yeah, yeah. four or five. Four. Yeah. One, one year and then you're done. Yeah. 
Well, you would think. I mean, it might be worth the, that, the team, given the yeah, the, the team available. trying to acquire him would probably uh, extend him as well. But that, that's just another piece of it. That's that, right. that's, that's market that's value. I, <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah. If you, if you that's why I say team, hold on to him. Yeah, if you find a team that's willing to put, pay market value for a running back, then you could probably get more than a fourth. <laughs> but for for most teams, I think you you know that are recognizing the value of the running back you're only going to get a fourth or fifth because it's only a one-year rental with a de- right. deferred comp pick coming back. So that's a, that's a great point, Dan. And, and if you real, if you play pay market value for running backs right now, or if you pay draft capital for running backs, either one of those, you usually realize it's still a buyer's market. And they, you know, if you're trading with another team, you still realize you don't have to trade as much to, to get the rights to that running back. Tamir Gibbs. Greenberry yep. has made their pick at number 13. We'll be waiting on it right now. Let's see if anybody else had anything interesting to say about the Green Bay pick coming up. They could go anywhere. I don't know what direction they could go. Yeah. I hope they don't go wide. Yeah, I, I think the buzz prior to the draft um, has been Jackson Smith and Jigba, which mm-hmm. I know Ken, Ken would be fine with. A lot of us prefer him mm-hmm. over some other wide receivers. Um I would love if they took a different player, but, um, you know, if, if we go corner, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but, you know, the, the wide receivers and the corners that don't go off the board end up helping Baltimore. Outstanding big, big slot. Catcher. Yeah. All right, here we go. Mm. Oh, pass rusher, Lucas Van Ness. Definitely a guy who can uh, play inside or outside. Probably ends it up at 4-3 end. Jason, what do you have for him in terms of scouting? Yes, he was the next pass rusher off my board despite being a 4-3 end. So that tells you what I think about his talent mm-hmm. level. I even think he could slide inside. Uh, mentioned to Ken. You know, you're facing a team that's light on the offensive line, doesn't commit to running the ball. Maybe you can slide him into three tech for a series or two. Maybe it's getting late in the game and the other two are ahead by 10 points. Uh, so we're talking about someone who was really physical inside the tackles against the run or at four tech right across from a tackle against the run too. Power rusher, plenty of upside, young, had to wait his turn, didn't start right away at Iowa because you don't start right away at Iowa, but was clearly the best man on that front four when he was in the game. Excellent player. Long arms, very big question about functional strength with him. He has 17 bench reps, but uh, uh, measurables are very good. 458-40, 11-inch hands, 34-inch arms. Uh, combination of abilities. I wouldn't say he's completely a Ben guy, and I wouldn't say he's completely a bull rush guy, and he seems to me a guy that would we, – we, we tag a guy with 4-3-N, and it's like kryptonite that the Ravens can't draft him. But the truth of the matter is it's a lot of those guys who make excellent slip-inside guys on, on third down. And Van Ness would be that for, for the Ravens. Uh, might start off as mostly a situational pass rusher. There might be, uh, you know, obviously questions whether whether how you could otherwise fit him in. But he definitely uh, w- would be a guy that you would want in on passing down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, it's, it's funny they compliment to Rashawn Gary, who's he's now teammates with, because that's the, that kind of career arc I see him going. Because you know Rashawn Gary, when he came into the league, he was kind of like rotating in with with Zedarius and Preston Smith over up there in Green Bay. So you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, they, they traded Aaron Rodgers and still taking defensive players in the first round. Oh, the Steelers have just traded up to number fourteen. Mm. They have got to one a corner right here. 
there's a corner that they must love above the other three or four. Whoever Gonzalez. Gonzalez? Yeah. Gonzalez, yeah. Gonzalez, Gonzalez I don't think they would have traded it for, for Porter Jr., even though it would have been a great, you know, media could, story. But. Could it be an offensive story. tackle as well? Well, I mean, you got Dan Moore there, like Ken pointed out. Uh, who's played pretty well? Maybe they want to upgrade that. But Broderick uh, Jones, uh, yeah, I believe four four they've been they've been heavily linked to Broderick Jones as well. If it's not a corner, that that would be my pick. It's, a, it's an interesting pick if they take Gonzalez because I I really don't think he's that far ahead of the other corners. Um, so I think we're gonna we're gonna see a little. We already seen a little bit of devaluation. He's not a run up the card guy, frankly. Gonzalez, he fits. He's the Ike Taylor mode of a guy who can definitely play good boundary cornerback and, and Pittsburgh might love him for that, but uh, it's just not an obvious, obvious pick to me. So, so they're moving from 17 to 14 is lo- likely what they're doing here. So based on JJ, that's probably around their uh, third round pick. The 80th pick is my guess. So we'll see what, what shakes out. But that's to my me guess. That, to me, that screams corner because well, maybe they think one of the teams in front of them is going to take Broderick Jones too. With Darnell right off the board, maybe that changed things. So I take that back. I take that back. It, it could be either one. Also, do you want the trade details? I, I got them up right now. Sure. Yeah, sure. What's up? One twenty. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, just just one twenty. That, that's also a fourth round pick. Wow. Okay. So it's cheap, right? They they undershot the JJ estimate. That sucks. We don't want to see so the was one twenty for fourteen. Is what it was. Yeah. Okay. And then again, if we're talking about the gradation of talent really holding up the way you think it is, Jason, this being you know the top twenty players or top fifteen players really are are maybe it's top twenty including the quarterbacks who are taken. Uh, then after that, the steep drop off. Then this is probably a pretty good exchange for the Steelers, getting guys nearer the top of their board. Yeah, I, I think that they definitely have someone that they like above all else, whether that's they love Christian Gonzalez better than Joey Porter or whether they like Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones now all of a sudden makes a lot of sense, although yeah. when I look at the Steelers roster, I feel like they would need a corner over tackle. But, you know, Dan Jones, maybe they found out his limitations last year, and that's why they switched to the run and just became a run-heavy team, traded away. Uh, of course, uh, Chase Claypool. And ran the ball down our throats. You know, a very good rush defense was tough uh, to handle that Steelers running attack uh, late in the year. Okay, here's an idea. Jack Campbell to Pittsburgh. That would be amazing, in my opinion. Yeah. A lot of witch casting going on right now. Yeah. Well, it's, this is interesting. This is a fun first round because it's it's not a chalky first round at all. It's a It's very much up in the air. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I mean, moving up three spots tells me that there's a reason that they want to do that. Uh, I mean, not that they're anytime you trade up, there's a reason, but more so they're looking at the two teams in front of them and saying, one of these two teams, I'm curious who's after them and what the teams after them would eat, is going to take our guy. If they're jumping in front of the Jets, it might just be for a tackle. Because mm-hmm. the Jets are set at corner, so it's not for a corner. And then Washington after that. There you go. Washington could be a corner, but the Jets does green tackle. Yep. Broderick it is. Yeah, there we go. Go dogs. Good move. Good move for the Steelers. You know, you you cannot go wrong with a starting left uh, a tackle. 
probably be an upper echelon tackle in this league if things worked out for him. And uh, the way I compared it, Josh, I don't know if you have any follow-up to this, but Broderick Jones was kind of the Laramie Tunsil in this draft, whereas Paris Johnson Jr. was kind of the Ronnie Stanley. I think both of them are worse prospects than Stanley and Tunsil. But that's the style you're getting with Broderick Jones. Wide body, strong, just looks like a, a guy you don't want to mess with. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that comparison. Um, really, I mean, you're kind of kind of kind of spot on. Stanley was kind of, well, some people kind of viewed Stanley as a kind of a finesse tackle. I didn't really see, you know, I didn't I didn't really consider him a finesse tackle. But you, you definitely, you know, no pun intended, given he's the Georgia guy. You know, Roger definitely got that dog in him, though. You know, as far as <laughs> as far as the this is his mentality, especially when it comes to blocking, run blocking. He's what I, he's what I call a people mover or a road grader. And um, he's he's a guy that's still so young. How old would how old would you say he was, Ken? Like 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 twenty years old or something like that? Uh, he's I not think. yet twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's a guy that has like plenty of plenty of room to develop. You know, and then I hate hate that he's with, with with Pittsburgh, but um, yeah, you know, good good for him, I guess. You know, bad bad for the Ravens, good for him. Not bad for the Ravens in the sense that they really, they didn't need to tackle, but so no, but uh, it's bad to have a good left tackle in the division. <laughs> Yeah, 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 there we go. Ken, I wanted to bring up a a thought I just had as far as those three tackles are now off the board fairly quickly, okay? There is a a fourth tackle. Now, I actually have another tackle ahead of him, but Anton Harrison is a left tackle. He is a prototypical left tackle. You also have Jones out there as prototypical right tackle. But all of a sudden now, if somebody prioritizes a left tackle, you can see Anton Harrison – jump off the board way ahead of us, uh, way ahead of oh, where good point. I, I got one other left tackle candidate that I absolutely love, and I've heard it only talked about a little bit in terms of what he does, but I, I know Jake's going to have something to say about it, and that's Darnell Washington. Currently a tight end, <laughs> but an obvious, obvious left tackle conversion, given his length, his size, his bruteness. Uh, I just love him as converting to tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a – phenomenal player uh definitely could see him coming off in the first round if not that then he'll he'll be a second round pick at as a tight end um it it's quite a project to move a player to a new position but he has all of the tools that you're talking about in order to make that conversion i'm just not sure how many teams are going to see it that way and convince him to move to tackle even though um it probably would be the best move for his career as long as he could make it happen monetarily it's an easy call yep. for him to make yeah. exactly but yeah. I, I think he'll be a very fine tight end i love him i think darnell washington best blocker in the draft um easy you know, I, I i give him i give him gronk kittle type grades in blocking yeah. that good yeah. that dominant like you don't yeah. see it it's not just his willingness it's his sheer size and his his uh commitment to it his his technique in it um darnell washington can move you uh, from any position, I you know financially it'd be better for him to be a tackle. Man, it'd be tempting to have him, uh, you know, kind of like maybe masquerade as both. Like I don't even know. He he gives you so many options. I I actually had Darnell Washington number two on my board ahead of Michael Mayer because if the Ravens were going to go get a a tight end, uh, which they weren't, but mm-hmm. if they were, give me that blocker to compliment Andrews likely and uh, Charlie Kolar. Yeah, I, I, wanna... I said. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please. I, I said the same thing, um, you know, during mock draft season this year. It's like if the Ravens are going to draft a tight end, which most fans would absolutely hate, 
the idea would be to take uh, a player in Washington's mold, somebody that's a true blocker, yep. can completely change the game um, as far as the, the running scheme that you have. Uh, and you can move on from one of the other tight ends if you want to and just roll with three, or the Ravens could carry four tight ends like they have in recent years. So, Yeah, lots of options, and you're right. That, that exactly fits what they've done MO-wise. While the Jets are still um, procrastinating here, hoping to get a trade done, let's look at Gusto's comment at the bottom there because it's a great one. So there's eight players right now he's identified. And I agree. Those are eight outstanding choices. One, two, three, four, five, six. I only see seven, actually. Nolan Smith, Gonzalez, Banks, JPJ, Forbes, Jason, Addison, Owen, oh, Zay. Okay. Zay, uh, yes. So that's eight. Um, I would be excited about getting one of those. So we're at that point in the draft where the Ravens have guaranteed them a, themselves a pretty damn good player if they stay put. But another thing to look at is even if they trade down, the usual rule that a lot of teams employ anyway is if you have twice as many slots as players that you like, you are still probably okay. So if you if you have if you have three players you like, you can trade down six slots. And obviously it depends. You got to kind of prognosticate on who's picking what between you and that spot you're trading down to. But definitely a good chance whether they trade down or not, they're still going to get a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Probably even more likely this year with the the question, you know, the the inconsistencies and, and wide range of, of of how people rank people or players. So even more likely that other players w- would be available. So yep, Ken, when we did that, Excuse me. Say, Ken, when we did that Sweet 16, I had some people ask me why you picked 16. Shoot, 16 might be conservative if you pick 22. Give me your top 12 because, yeah. you know, no matter how you stack your board, uh, especially with the quarterbacks involved and all that other stuff, you're going to get shoot high. Who do you think the Ravens are going to get? Shoot high on your board because all kinds of stuff happens on, on draft day. And, man, with that number of Corners, Ken, I, I'll throw it to you. You might be thinking the same thing. Well, I, I just I, I want to say of my Sweet 16 that, that I did the show with you, and I want to hear yours too, but yours is on the board. Everybody can see it. Christian Gonzalez was was on number six for me. Nolan Smith was number nine. Vanessa was taken. Derek Hall, number 11. Quentin Johnson, number 12. Joey Porter Jr., number 13. Addison, 14. Ringo, 15. And Banks, 16. And Forbes, did I mention Forbes? Because he's number eight on my list. And now I'm not even sure about Forbes or Gonzalez in terms of, of, of who I'd really prefer. I see it, it would just make it so much easier if somebody else took Gonzalez and I don't have to <laughs> play the antichrist or whatever I am by, by wanting Forbes over Gonzalez here. But, uh, but I want Forbes. Ken does not speak for all of us. I do like uh, Manuel Forbes is my favorite player in this draft, but I have Gonzalez rated higher if I'm sticking to my, my well, head. You too. But, um, but uh, you know, I'm looking now, the Ravens are in a really good spot to even trade back. Okay. And the reason I'm saying that is just because of the quartet of number one potential corners on the board right there. If the Ravens, if they all check out with the Ravens and are as good a people as they are prospect, good as workers as they are prospects. I mean, shoot, chances are now two of them is going to be there. Two of them are going to be there at 22. Okay. Here's, here's my question. This is to, to, to both Dan and Alec. And it is, if the Ravens are going to trade back and we have until after this Jets pick is in here, at least to, to think about this, and then we'll talk about it again. What would be a trade the Ravens could afford to lose by 20, 30, 40 JJ points and still move back? Because it might be that kind of a year where it'd be worth it to lose JJ points moving down from 22. Who, who is a potential trade partner for something like that? 
Hmm, that's a good one. <laughs> I'll have to look. Um, you got until the Jets pick anyway, so you got time to think about it. And we'll probably get excited about this pick because it'll be somebody else. Obviously, it almost certainly is somebody in that eight. If it's not in that eight, it's even that much more exciting if it's Levis or somebody like that. Yeah, you know what? That's funny. You can actually do a perfect trade with uh, um, with Pittsburgh. They have 190, which is the 80th right. pick, and they also have 32, which is 590. So there's that. I think a lot of it depends how far you want to drop back. Like, it, you know, th there are all sorts of different combinations you can make, right? Um, but if you want to drop back. Uh, and especially it, if you extend it to two picks for two instead of just two picks for one. Okay. The Ravens will want to pick up net picks, but if two for two, you can almost get it scaled just about wherever you want. You know, that was... with the Giants, too. Is the Giants the the lowest the Ravens can draft in the first round while staying in there and, and ending up with similar value? Just three pick back. I think so. It's, I don't know if it's the lowest, um, but it, it's. I think they still get somebody they want. Um, maybe Philadelphia? Let me see what they got. All right, that's exciting. So the Orioles just won their game. For that's win. Sorry, yep. sorry to mess Fantastic. it up for anybody who uh, is waiting. We got the Jets selection coming up from some kid. I hope there's nothing wrong with this kid, but almost certainly there is when they when they bring him up on stage, right? I made that mistake two years ago, uh, Ken. I was like, "Come on, man, buddy, spit it out the." And then they put up all the. I had to. I, I had to apologize. I had to apologize. Ask for forgiveness. But uh, yeah, sharp looking kid, man. We got the jet screen. Uh, uh, yeah, he is a make a wish child. Looks great. Prayers up to Kyle. Hopefully, they didn't make him say Addy Tommy while at a bore. Oh, we got a Blue Jays fan, Logan Frazier in the house. Ooh, rough combo there. Can you mute? Uh, looks like <laughs> Will McDonald, the fourth of Iowa State, an exciting edge rusher uh, on my list, certainly on the edge. Uh, Jason, where did you have him in your overall big board? Yeah, taking him off the board now. He was at number 26, so definitely somebody that I thought would go in the first round. And the guys ahead of him, they must have liked uh, Will McDonald better than Miles Murphy. So that's really what you have to look at on the edge rusher list right yeah. now. Nolan Smith still on the board. He's a 3-4 outside linebacker as Sam. Uh, Keon White profiles is a great Sam despite his size at 280-some pounds. Just a coverage, a monster in coverage. Uh, great body control from Keon White. So the Jets were looking for a hand in the dirt, 4-3, rush end. They liked Will McDonald over Miles Murphy. Both of those I had projected first-rounders. So uh, great job by the Jets. If uh, McDonald – high upside player, I'd say, Ken. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I liked him. He was seventh on my edge list. It's just a little surprising he goes this early. Miles Murphy was ninth on my edge list, so I'm actually expecting him to be a little. I know everybody maps him to Terrell Suggs and you know thinks about him as being the greatest guy through contact, but uh, to me, he was just a little bit behind some of these other guys on the edge for the uh, uh, they're available in this draft. So I, I the guy I really love for the for the Ravens. The guy is kind of an over over slot pick for me, if you want to think in baseball terms. B.J. Ojolari, uh, mm-hmm. outstanding toolkit, already ready to go. Uh, he comes in, he can play Sam linebacker for you right from day one, and I think he he just is young, played in the SEC, obviously, all of the characteristics you want in terms of potential future upside. Yeah, that, that's a player I'm I'm quite familiar with. His brother Aziz Ojolari mm-hmm. uh, that you would know. Um, on the Giants, uh, a player I really liked out of Georgia. Uh, but BJ has a lot of polish to his game that you really appreciate, um, especially when we haven't had the best pass rushers in terms of um, that nuance. Uh, some guys with multiple moves. Ojolari is coming into the NFL with um, multiple moves already um, at the NFL level. Uh, I think he's a guy that maybe benefits even less than some others from working with uh, Dr. Rush. Um, I I think it's going to be a really good thing, no matter who we get in the building um, and and the guys that we already have, you know, working with um, our pass rush guy. Um, But Chuck Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck Smith. But man, it's, it's exciting to, to talk about a guy like, um, like Ojolari. I, I, I want to address John Tabor's question here while we can. Do the Ravens need a Sam more than a rush? Big time, in my view. Uh, Owe had been a rush and really needs to be on the side with the uncovered tackle where he's going directly, naked tackle, if you want to call it that. But he goes up directly against the tackle who doesn't have obvious help. He can still get it from running back. But basically, he uses his athleticism to make that tackle make a mistake, and he can second move him. And that's the best place for Owe. Moving him to Sam when the Ravens needed him there before Bowser was ready this last year, I think really hurt him. And he still put up pretty good pressure numbers for the year. I'm very positive on how always going to come out. Ajabo also pure rush linebacker needs to be opposite the naked tackle. You don't want him with coverage responsibilities. You still drop occasionally, but you don't really want him with, with much in the way of, of coverage responsibilities. So that's why I'm so high on getting a Sam and why I put the Sams higher on my own edge board. Cause it's a Raven centric board. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, Okay, Josh. I was saying I'm I'm, I'm in lockstep with you, Ken. Anytime I see a guy with with with, with Sam with Sam like a uh, versatility, a guy immediately you know it, it goes up up on my board too as far as best Ravens fit because it's, it's so hard to find guys that can that perform both perform those Sam duties at, at, a, at a at a competent level. And it seems like we've been looking for a backup for Tyus Bowser for like for years now. And it just hasn't seemed we thought hey, Dale Hayes could have been that guy, but you know he wasn't able to stay healthy. He has, hasn't panned out. Um, and just they're just they're just so hard to find. You mm-hmm. know, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy to find a good you know a rush end, but there are a lot of guys who fit that profile more so than the Sam profile. So when you could find a guy like that, that's why I'm a little afraid. Like if, if, if Nolan Smith is still there at 22, I'm afraid they might pass up Forbes and take and take a guy like Nolan Smith just because of of their of their um, philosophy, and he might be their BPA. So who knows? Want to remind yeah. people in comments one more time: no, t- no pick tipping. Okay, don't, don't, please don't do it. We're we're all watching this together, and the, a lot of the fun of this is us having our own organic reactions together. So, if you're watching three picks ahead and you've seen something, please don't put it in the comments. I was going to say, um, 
uh, I want to paint the other side for a second when it comes to the overall linebacker. <clears throat> I'm more open-minded. I, I just want the best player, really. Um, you know, I'm not as confident in a way being able to produce a pass rush and turn it into sacks, turnovers, as Ken is, because I have yet to see him threaten the edge with his speed because uh, his, his get-off is just – just bad. It's bad. Uh, so if you're second half, second, second, full second, laid off the snap, it's tough to stress uh, offensive tackles, uh, no matter if you run a 4-3 or not. Um, but that being said, you know, between Oway and David Ajabo and Justin Houston still out there, the Ravens could have a rushed linebacker uh, that they can be confident in. Um, you know, you throw two of them in, maybe they love Oway, maybe they love – uh, Ajabo's potential, and they lean toward more Sam. Sam's are hard to find, though. Mm-hmm. Having somebody can set the you know talk about set the edge is another part of that uh, that I'm not sure if you guys elaborated on, but that's your strong side. That's the right side of an offense. Uh, man, it's just uh, an important job to be able to cover, to end to provide pass rush, and to stop the run. So you need a complete guy. Big believer in Nolan Smith. There's a, there's a uh, world where he's the best player on my board. And if we took him, I'd be happy no matter who else is left at this point. Commander's selection is in right now. Come on quarterback. Right. Levis is there. Just, just looking, looking a little pissed off right now. Ah, Manuel Forbes is off the board at number 16 to Washington. Not, it's not incredibly surprising, just very frustrating because he was, he was my guy. So Forbes ends up going ahead of Gonzalez. Not a bad pick yeah. in my opinion, not a bad pick at all. Um, and uh, I, you know, at, at this point, you know, I'm not even running to the podium on the Gonzalez versus Porter card, but I, uh, but you know, I, I, if the clock runs out, I'll, I'll, I'll put it up, but, uh, but I'm not even running to the podium with that card. It's funny, you know, no receivers have been taken so far all sitting there on the board reminiscent of that 2019 draft when Hollywood Brown was the first receiver off the board. Right now you still have three very good cornerbacks. Uh, They're all in the green on my board. You have Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, all options at wide receiver. And then Nolan Smith, uh, is kind of sticking out there by himself as your Sam. And the other position I'm very interested in is Dalton Kincaid. Uh, number 20 on my board, I had to put him in the predictive first round because I predict he's going to go at the fir- in the first round. Fear like when he runs, a very springy runner, very springy athlete, translates to the 40, translates to the yak, tough player, great hands. He is your receiving tight end of this draft. Fantasy football players, if Kincaid goes to a good spot, be confident drafting him this year because he's ready. Pure flex guy, which is the reason why I don't really like him for the Ravens. He's a guy you you split wide, and that's what the Ravens have. So it's not a matter of I don't like Kincaid the player. I did the tight end show with Alec. I remember you had some thoughts about Kincaid, who I think might have been number one on your list too. Kincaid was number one on my list. I think he's just just – Special with the ball in his hands, one of the best pass catchers in the whole thing, uh, even including the wide receivers, and uh, that's a, that's an important asset. You know, I think tight ends one of the coolest um, positions, so you can get a player like that that's really dynamic for you. All right, the Patriots have made their pick here. Here we go. Pretty quick to turn it around, so they were excited with whoever it was. I would guess. I I don't have any idea about the pick. I would guess corner. Here. Um, Christian Gonzalez is off yeah. the board. Oh, oh, yeah, there he goes. 
So I'm a little bit behind you guys. <laughs> yep, same here. So that so was at number 17. And it's funny, my uh my commanders fans are all saying that they uh they're mad, they think they should have gotten Gonzalez. And I'm like, well, on this on this channel, we're having a different conversation, you know. It's, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, so. I'm saying I'm, I'm mad he's coming to Maryland, just not with the right Maryland team. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you yeah. think the Patriots probably would have gone Forbes if they? I mean, it's it. It seems like it might be likely if they uh, possibly always have been taken by the Commanders. So maybe in that sense, is a slight blessing there that at least he's going to the NFC. Forbes is. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I guess yeah. consolation prize. I guess I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say, Gonzalez, number two player overall on my board because I prioritize corner over edge and offensive tackle. So he is my number one corner. And, uh, you know, surprised to see him slip in to, to New England. Uh, now that I'm finished evaluating and he is in enemy territory, uh, I wouldn't mind to see him uh, have great games against Josh Allen, maybe, <laughs> but uh, not so great games against the Ravens. Okay, so my number six and eight guys just came off the board with Gonzalez and Forbes. The, my top remaining guy is Nolan Smith. Yep. Who's your top guy? I have Joey Porter as my top guy. The last remaining guy in the dark green and uh ken i wanted to say that i'm in the minority by having him a true first round grade uh that was that was a my guy kind of i stuck with my gut i saw him slipping down mock drafts i still said look joey porter true first round grade his length his strength his ability to bully people to the boundary uh i think that a lot of throws in his direction were just uh overthrown sometimes they didn't even challenge him love joey porter as a player so i have him and then i have uh uh, sorry, Ken, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then Nolan Smith. Okay. Jason, um, where do you see Porter growing as a as a defender when, when the ball is coming his way? Do, do you think he's he's going to get much improved in terms of ball skills yeah. out there or, you know, turning his head around or what, what do you got for that? Yeah, I never assumed that that's going to get better. I mean, yeah. We've seen it with Marlon. Uh, Mar- and Deontay Banks in this draft, another corner like that. Uh, you take small steps, Jake, I think, and it gets easier and easier, but you never turn into Emmanuel Forbes. But if I, I'm looking at Porter, I think he could play, you know, X. He can match up against the X receiver all day, which is so valuable, so, so valuable, even more so than a zone corner on the left side. So, uh, you know, I stick by it. If anything happened to Marlon, we'd be in big trouble, big, big trouble. He's having that versatility is great. Go ahead, Dan. So I want to ask you guys: Are the only are there only two cornerbacks that you have um, that you would go for at twenty two? Porter, uh, Ringo, Ringo, Porter, Ringo, and Banks are all guys that I would I would okay. still be on my list. Yeah, in the top I'm a two players. guy. I'm a two guy. I I don't like uh, Ringo as much. So yeah, two and a half. Got it. It'll be interesting. I like Ringo. I like Ringo, just not at twenty-two. Like if it was like a trade back thing, I wouldn't mind getting Ringo. It's just at twenty-two. I'd rather if they were going to go corner, corner, quarter, quarter, or banks. Yeah, I guess the the wide receiver. I'm. I mean, I like the two wide receivers who I had a tough time just deciding between are not in Jigba because I think he's more of a big slot player, and we can talk a little bit about his he approaches. But I like Quentin Johnson a little better because he's a pure X receiver. Uh, he's got some issues that he that he can resolve and get better at. So far, he's been kind of a low catch rate player, uh, catching a lot of deep balls, which is nice. He could run more of the route tree and catch in a kind of a wider, uh, 
perimeter around his sure. body uh, in, mm -hmm. in, in terms of that. But Jordan Addison is another Bateman, another guy who runs the full route tree, the yeah. best wiggle in the entire draft uh, for a wide receiver. And he'd probably be a guy, if he weren't such a comp for Bateman, and I was, wasn't thinking the offense was going to be built around Bateman, I might want him as my my top wide receiver. And I, did you when it, like, I've I've heard him mocked a bit, uh, you know, like mocked, compared to Bateman a lot. But my whole thing is like about that. Like, if you really want to, what's wrong with having multiple receivers that can run every route in the route tree? You no know, problem. like like you should you should you should want that. You should want that guys that are just you know square pegs and round holes. But a guy who can be that, that universal remote, you can you know that can that can plug into any offense and run any route. So I like I wouldn't I wouldn't hate the Addison pick there. You know, it's more guys know how to separate. More guys that can run every route tree. One guys that can be on the field. That, that no matter the down and distance. So I, would, I wouldn't hate the Addison pick at all. I, I agree with you there. He takes the Z role if that's true. I don't know where that, you know, where Beckham ends up. I think Beckham is probably fairly versatile in terms of whether he could play in the slot or on the outside. Um, and, and Jigba has, you know, and, and some other players in this draft have made their, uh, made their money so far, made their money in the first round draft grade that they have in terms of being guys who were big slots. And, and that's what I think the Ravens need to try and stay away from unless they're sure that that skill set maps to the outside as well because that's where the Ravens need more help. They don't need another big slot with that enormous glut of talent. They have a tight end. The last thing you want to be doing is throwing a tarpaulin over that and, and, and restricting those snap counts. Totally agree. True. It's just there's only one X in this draft, and uh, he's the most inconsistent receiver in the draft, so it's tough. You know, yeah. it's just a really tough – you know, he – I would love, like, I discount his arm length. I don't care in his height because he doesn't use it. It's like, you know, you're going to draft him to, to run routes, to get open underneath, and to make yak, uh, unless he can, like what Jake was saying, really improve his ball skills downfield and actually jump for the ball, like uh, extend for the ball. I mean, he does jump, but he doesn't right. extend. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough, man. Like Quentin Johnson, Ken, toughest evaluation on my draft board as far as where the heck do I put this guy? I'm I'm with you on on some of that. Here here's my thing. It's a lot easier for me to forgive long arms that have not yet gotten it together for short arms that have almost no chance to evolve to the next level at the position they're projected at. And that's why I'm a big fan of arm length at a lot of position. Uh, outside pass rushers, offensive tackles. It's just a skill you can't teach. It's like being six six or being six eight. You can't teach. I, I there's a certain part amount of that I can't forgive. At least with him, there is a chance. Now, it didn't work out for Clarence Moore, and it didn't work out for Tommy Streeter, and it didn't work out for some other guys in, in Ravens draft picks in, in their history. Brashad Perriman, you could you could maybe put in that group as well. Uh, I just think it, it has a chance to work out for Quentin Johnson. You are taking a chance, and you know honestly, if my biggest fear would be I don't trust the Ravens to develop a wide receiver. That would be my big fear, and that's what really what you're saying, I think, when you say this guy's got alligator arms and I can't fix it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it just depends what they want. Like, you know, a guy, Zay Flowers, for instance, my confidence in him, him being able to play Z, very mm -hmm. high. I think he, he might even be an X receiver because he's so darn quick. And, uh, you know, of course, he's short, but he's stocky as heck. But a guy you can move around all over the place and runs routes with urgency. Uh, you know, I love Zay Flowers. Jordan Addison, I think, would be a good pick. Uh, quite frankly, this would be a good time to trade back if you're looking for a wide receiver. You still have Jalen Hyatt, and who knows what thing what yeah. teams think about Quentin Johnson? Love Jalen Hyatt. 
yeah, awesome. there's a lot of good fits here at receiver for the Ravens if that's where they want to go. All right, the Lions the have definitely have the pick. The Lions have made their pick at every team. It's going to be a, a, probably 45 seconds. Go ahead. Okay, I, I was just going to say you're definitely going to have to pick up the litter at, at, at receiver there. Um, but I just wanted to pick your guys' your your guys's opinion on you know the given the recent additions that the Rays have made on the coaching staff with Monken and with with Williams and now with Greg Lewis this offseason, you kind of feel like that the tide might shift as far as the Ravens' inability to uh, uh, to you know to draft and develop receivers might change over the next few years. Uh, you know, that's a projection. It's possible. We've got to pick in that we've got to announce here. And it's another one where the Lions may have overdrafted for the position for the second consecutive time after drafting a running back. They draft Jack Campbell at number eight. I, I love the guy. I really do. I think he's so far above. He's the, he's the only obvious put him in the mic and the green dot from day one oh, guy. Man. I really do love him. I still think that's an overdraft. And I am so happy that the inside linebacker market is now on the roll. So let's see. Let's see some momentum on this and see if they this generates some value for a certain you-know-who. They could have okay. traded to the late the end of the first round and still got this guy. I don't understand this at all. I, I guess they're figuring who they had to compete with for that pick. What do you have to say about Jack Campbell, Jason? Very good. Obvious, Mike. You know, my concerns with him and why I didn't value him as high as uh, – I had Drew Sanders, number one. I had Trenton Simpson for his versatility and athleticism, too. So I watched the Iowa State game with Jack Campbell and saw him get crossed up by a running back I, I wasn't studying, so I have no idea who this guy even is. Uh, so I see some Malik Harrison-type issues uh, for Jack Campbell when it comes to the next level. If he's getting let, I mean, I'm talking small space, too. Wasn't the open field, talking within the box, him getting crossed up and, and having his ankles broke. Uh no, it's just he just wasn't for me in this draft. I, I, you know, physicality, yes, block shedding, smarts, instincts, and in pass coverage. I don't worry about Jack Campbell. I thought he was good in pass coverage. Oh yeah, it's just no range, no change of direction, uh, little range, and little change of direction are skills that I don't think will translate very well to the NFL. Okay, so I'm going to say this about Campbell: that PFF is the toughest missed tackle standard of all. If you look at Pro Football Reference which we have for pro tackles in PFF, pro football reference always has um, fewer missed tackles. So they're more forgiving of a player. Uh, PFF is tough. They have Jack Campbell for only an 8.9% missed tackle rate in 2022 and only 9% for his college career, which is just fantastic. So uh, there are some safeties who are lower than that, but for a guy in the box who's constantly facing some of the bigger bodied backs there, uh, that's, that's really exceptional. There you go. A lot of people love him too. Yeah, Iowa State. I was just looking again. Um, but great zone awareness as far as you know, people say, Oh, he's a big Mike linebacker, he probably can't cover. Yeah, nah, Jack Campbell can cover. He can cover. And uh he's very good at what he does, diagnosing the plays, getting a jump on the ball. So he plays fast for his size as well, I think. We got we got a couple of great coverage inside linebackers in this draft. DeMarvian Overshone is my guy later. Uh, just as unbelievable drop radius. Uh, but Campbell, I saw a lot of that too. Drop It drops very deep into level two. One of the things when I talk about players like not understanding what's going on behind them, one of the things they do is they tend to take fairly shallow drops and stay closer to the line of scrimmage a lot of the time and take themselves out of a position to make a play on a ball over them. So uh, Campbell, you know, obviously in part is he's a hulking size at 6'5 for an inside linebacker, uh, but also, you know, creates a, a big obstacle 
for a quarterback with that. Something we saw from from Hamilton last year in zone coverage. It was really a value for the Ravens. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.